Now, over the last uh, 12 months, God has blessed us, hasn't he, with newborn babies, right? Uh, even Gab, Shay, Abigail, and Josiah, uh, they have lifted our hearts and others. And they have lifted our hearts with joy. We love babies and children, don't we? Because they are amazing gifts from God that brings many, many blessings in our lives. Uh, far beyond the blessing of simply carrying the name, uh, carrying the family name on. Uh, think about some of the benefits uh, of having babies. Uh, babies give us, of course, love. Uh, it's the closest we can get to pure love, isn't it? Babies just love us, right? In their innocence. They truly want us and value us, don't they? And who doesn't want to be loved and wanted? And the babies give us that. Babies also teach us to be selfless and humble. Babies, more than any other person, shift our attention from living for us to truly living for another person. It's one of the lessons you learn as a parent that you're actually more selfish than you realize when you have a child. Because uh, babies constantly want our attention. and they, We feel it, don't we? They teach us humility and selfless living. Babies, of course, also um, enrich our lives, really, by making us appreciate the wonder of things, things we take for granted. Everything is new to a child, right? And they take in things all around us, all the time. And as they take things in, we to learn to appreciate the world afresh, uh, through which we have become used to. We learn to now take it in with fresh eyes, through their eyes. And, of course... Our children make us become children again, don't they? There are some things we get to do with our children which many of us just never experienced when we were growing up. And as our children grow, they become our teachers. And they ask questions that force us to think about life. In fact, I had this experience this week as I was driving on the motorway to the airport. And as we're driving, there was a police car that was speeding very fast. Uh, um, in the opposite direction. And Abigail, of course, noticed that uh, it was, must have been doing way above us, right? We were going about 70, and it must have been doing like 120 or something. And Abigail asked the obvious question, well, a question I couldn't ask, which was, why are the police speeding like that on the motorway? I said, they are chasing, they must be chasing somebody speeding. And then she says, but why break the law to chase someone? And I thought, that's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> Why break the law to chase someone? And of course the answer is that because human justice is falling as well. She says they are being hypocrites, aren't they? She actually said. I said, yes, they are, but they are being hypocrites to enforce justice. And, uh, and this reminder, I was just reminded for a moment there, being taught by her through her questions, that actually the world is truly broken. Even the police cannot be faithful to the law they enforce. They must break it to enforce the law. And, uh, and so children teach us things like that. I'm sure you've had experience even this week, perhaps, when your child has taught you something. Uh, they ask us questions that makes us think deeply about life. Uh, if we only care to listen to them and, and hear what they have to say, they ask us questions that makes us think about life and, uh, and think about God uh, in a profound way. Even the problems our children bring are actually used by God for our benefit, to draw us ever closer to God. 
The blessings of our children are endless. But amazingly, the Bible says, for all the blessings of babies and children, the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ has benefits that surpasses all the blessings we get for our own children. Combined. We know that because that's why we celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus. He's the only baby who has ever been born whom we celebrate every year in the way we do. The birth of Jesus is special because it is the birth of God taking on our human flesh. The eternal God put on our human flesh in the person of Jesus. That is why his birth is special. God clothes himself in your human skin. You've got to pause and take that in. Over the next two Sundays, I want to help you pause and take that in. Because I want us to answer this question. What are the benefits or blessings of God becoming man? Why did God become man? We're going to answer this question in three messages. We need to know the answer to this question because I think we cannot truly celebrate Christmas without having a deep appreciation of why God became man. And as I said, to answer that question, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 to 18, because this passage gives us three blessings of why God became a human being. Blessings to us. This morning, I want us to look at the first blessing. And the first blessing is this. It's there in verse 14 to 15. God became man. God became man to destroy the devil by delivering us from the power of death. That's the first blessing of Christmas. God became man in Christ to destroy the devil by delivering us from the power of death. Verse 14, 15 says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. The writer to the Hebrews is saying, God the Son put on our human flesh in the person of Jesus because he came to destroy our enemy, the devil. Now we know that he, in verse 14, is talking about Jesus because chapter 2 really is carrying on uh, the argument from chapter 1. In the argument in chapter 1 of Hebrews is that Jesus is God. Is greater than the angels is God himself. Chapter 2 carries that on, especially in verse 11 to 14, by now arguing that this Jesus who is fully God is also fully human like us, but without sin. Jesus is fully human like the children God gave him to serve. Look at verse 11 there, which to 14. Verse 11 to 13, we didn't read, let's read it now. For he, that is Jesus, who sanctifies, and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. 
I will sing your praise. Verse 13. And again, I'll put my trust in him. And again, behold, I, that is Jesus speaking, and the children God has given me. And then verse 14 says, Since therefore, in light of the above, the children whom God has given Jesus share in flesh and blood, he, that is Jesus, himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he, that is Jesus, might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. Okay, do you see that? What the scripture is saying. God has given children to Jesus and Jesus took on human flesh to save them. And a key part of how the Lord Jesus saves us is by destroying the devil. Our Lord Jesus came on a mission to free us from the slavery of the devil. That's what verse 14 is getting at. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. Now, let us immediately take note that the Bible here is teaching us that the devil is a real person. That's the first thing. The devil is a real person. He is not some work of fiction. The Bible here is talking about a real person. The devil talks. We know that from Matthew 4, verse 6. He lies. He desires. From Matthew 8, verse 44. He plots evil, 2 Corinthians 2, verse 11. He deceives. We know that from Revelation 20, verse 2 to 3. And he even gets angry. We know that from Revelation 12, verse 12. And when the Bible is talking about the devil, it is talking about a created angel, isn't it? Who is intelligent, rational, purposeful, and dangerous. A person who is all evil, as Pastor Reagan reminded us when he preached that sermon uh, two or three weeks ago on angels and demons. The, the devil was once a holy angel, but he has now fallen into sin. He is an evil being. The devil is completely evil. There is no shred of good in him. And the whole Bible talks about just how dangerous the devil is, doesn't it? First Chronicles chapter 21 verse 1 calls him Satan. It is a Hebrew word for adversary or enemy. First Peter 5 verse 8 depicts the devil as a lion who prowls around seeking to devour us. And I think Pastor Reagan says he's not trying to nibble at us, he's trying to devour us. Eat us up. 1 Thessalonians 3 verse 15 calls him the tempter. He is actively leading people into sin. 1 John chapter 2 verse 13 calls him the evil one. The devil is not just the personification of all evil. He is the living and active power behind all evil in the world. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, calls him the God of this world. Revelation 20, verse 2, calls him, calls him the dragon, that ancient serpent. The devil is a deadly serpent. 
The Lord Jesus Christ in John 16 verse 11 called the devil the prince or ruler of this world. Our Lord Jesus speaking in Mark 3 likened the devil to a strong man who enslaves people in his household. And I think the writer of Hebrews is picking up that, isn't it? Uh, in this passage, because he depicts the devil here as a slave master who wields the power and fear of death. Look at that again, verse 14 to 15. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he likewise himself likewise partook of the same thing, that through death he might destroy the one, the devil, who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery, the lifelong slavery of the evil one, which he wields through the power and fear of death. The writer of Hebrews is saying, the devil enslaves every human being from the moment we are born. No one is born free. No one has ever been born free in this world except the Lord Jesus Christ. From the moment you are born, you are born under the power and fear of death. Every human being is under the power of death. We can defy gravity, but not the grave. There will come a point when your heart will stop, stop beating. Your brain will not think anymore. That moment is coming. Those eyes that you love and take care of, you go to the optician and etc., um, etc., et you do that. Put makeup on and all the rest. There will come a time when they will close forever. You'll be pronounced dead. People will speak about you in the past tense. She was like this. Do you remember how she used to talk? Do you remember those jokes he used to tell? How he laughed. Or in the past tense, your body will be buried and cremated. Death has no favorites. It could come anytime. The richest and the poorest persons in society all live in death's shadow. The Nobel Prize winner and the prostitute all die together. The mother and the infant. The old man and the teenager. The funeral director and the poor bearers, all under the firm grip of death. And as we've just been praying about those that are in critical conditions, it could come at any time. And you know this already, some of you. I've experienced two deaths in my family this year. My mother was 78 years old, died early in the year. And not long ago, one year old in our family died. Look at that. Two extremes. Death can come to any of us at any time. You know, human beings have invented technology to conquer many things, but not death. Death lives at each of our address. There's simply no escaping it. Death raises the question every child asks, doesn't it? Why did grandma have to die? Why do I live in a world of death? Why can't we all live together forever? We all ask such questions. 
The experts at our schools and universities do not have the answer to that question. The pundits on television cannot answer that simple question, to be fair. What is, why do we die? It's a straightforward question. They can't answer it. They can tell, all they can say is, that is how life, listen, for all the learning you're doing in school, it can't answer this very basic question of life. Why do we die? It raises the question, doesn't it? What is the point of education if it can't answer that? I'm not saying, children, keep working hard still. It's important. I'm just making the point that your schools aren't answering the question that matters most in life. Or they can tell you that life is just like that. But they can't tell us why. Only the Bible gives us a clear and true answer to this question. And it is in Romans 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to all men, because all sinned. Everyone dies because we have disobeyed God. Death is the wages we have earned for our sin. It's like when you have a headache, right? When you have a headache, the real problem is not the pain from the headache, right? The real issue is what is causing you headaches? That's what matters. What is causing you headaches? Perhaps you're not drinking enough water. Or perhaps there's even a worse problem inside. The headache is a symptom. What is causing it? In the same way, our physical death is a symptom of the deeper virus of sin in us. We are all born with sin, which has cut us off from living with God. And that's what we need to solve. You know, a few years ago, I came across a story of a woman from Cornwall, Cornwall, who saved up 65,000 pounds to be cryogenic, let me say this right, cryogenically preserved when she dies. That's her goal. So she saved up this amount. She says, I know it's a very slim chance, but however long you live, it is never enough. She's right, isn't it? And she wants to cheat death. But of course, she will never succeed. She will never succeed. None of us can escape death because the human race dies as a symptom of being under the curse of death by God. A deeper death. It is as a result of our original rebellion against God in Eden. Everyone is born spiritually dead. That is to say, we are born banished from the presence and life and goodness of God. We are under everlasting judgment. And that's what really the writer of Hebrews is talking about here when he speaks of the power of death. He is saying all of us are born under physical, spiritual, and eternal death. But it is much worse than that. The writer of Hebrews is saying, the enemy of our souls, the devil, now uses this power of death against us. A permitted power of death, because God has permitted him to use it. The devil now uses it under God's control. You see, the devil used sin to bring death into the world. 
When humanity turned its back on God, we forfeited our physical and spiritual lives to the devil. That's what we did in Eden. We surrendered our lives to Satan. Our sin against God brought about spiritual separation from God, which led to our physical death. And that physical death, of course, leads people to now die physically, of course, and go to hell forever. And the devil continues to use death, you see, to recruit sinners to suffer in hell. What is the devil's mission in your life at the moment? It is to kill you and send you to hell before you turn to Jesus. And so the devil is busy enticing people to commit sins. Not just any sins, but also sins that particularly lead to death. Sins that could harm your life, cut you off from things of God, and eventually destroy you. And send you to hell. This is how he's working. This is how our enemy, you see, uses the power of death against us. It is through human sin. That's how he yields the power. Sin and death are Siamese twins, aren't they? They are joined together in the lives of every rebellious human being. And so all human beings, by default, are born as slaves of Satan. But the good news of Christmas says the writer of Hebrews here, is that God became man in Jesus to destroy the devil by robbing the devil of the power of death. Since therefore, says the writer of Hebrews in verse 14, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver, rescue, all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. The only way we can escape the tyranny of the devil is by being delivered from the power of death from all its forms, physical, spiritual, and eternal. And we can only escape the power of death by being restored back to God. That's what the writer of Hebrews is getting at. Later on, he will speak about the propitiation for our sins that Christ has done. We'll look at that this evening. That's the only way we can be restored to God. By God forgiving our rebellion against him. But God cannot just forgive our rebellion. He is holy. He is just. Sin must be punished. Someone must pay the price for our rebellion against God. And the writer of Hebrews is saying that God the Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, has willingly come to pay the price for our rebellion against God. He has come to die for our sins. Christ came that through his death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. The writer of Hebrews is saying God the Son, you see, put on, became one of us. He has become 100% man while remaining 100% God. He is the God-man. And after becoming the God-man, our Lord Jesus Christ grew, ministered here on earth, and he went to the cross of Calvary. There he died for our sins once and for all. But it is more than just a physical death on the cross, isn't it? Jesus didn't just die physically. As Jesus was dying on the cross, he suffered the wrath and punishment from God we deserve. God poured on him 
all the punishment you deserve. For your sins, past, present, future. God treated Jesus, his own son, on that cross as if you were on that cross. God punished his own son as his enemy. Christ died in our place. He gave up his life to all who trust in him. All those whom God the Father had chosen and gave him as his children, the writer of Hebrews is saying. The Lord Jesus destroyed the devil by paying the price for the sin of the elect to God. And that price Christ paid bought our transfer from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of Christ. Christ paid the price to God which rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us in the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. As Paul says in Colossians 1 verse 13. All true followers of Christ have been delivered from everlasting separation from God. When we die, our human spirit will go to be with God in heaven. It will not go to hell if we are truly trusting in Jesus. And because we know that, instead of living with the fear of our physical death and dreading that final judgment of God, we recognize there is now no fear in love. All children of God now look forward to life with God. It doesn't mean we don't think about the pain of death. But we don't fear the death, the condemnation that comes in judgment. There's always a natural fear of death in terms of physical pain and so forth. But we don't fear final judgment. We don't fear the moment after death. Because absent in body is present with Christ. We have eternal life with God. Most importantly, a time is coming when our Lord Jesus will appear again. And all true believers will be raised with new bodies that will never die. We shall put on immortality, says Paul to the church at Corinth. So to summarize then, why, what is verse 14, 15 teaching us? It is teaching us that our Lord Jesus is God the Son, who became human to destroy the devil for all true followers of Christ. The act of God the Son becoming man destroys the devil by paving the way for Jesus to die as a human being, as one of us, to pay for our sin. And we said on the cross, Jesus suffered the wrath of God in our place. And by doing that, he took away the power and fear of death from the devil for us. And so verse 14, 15 therefore says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he likewise, he himself likewise, partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. God became man in Christ to destroy the devil by robbing him of the power of death. That's the first benefit. So what does this benefit then mean for us today? 
What is this truth that God became man to free us from the devil mean for how we should celebrate Christmas this season? Well, I just want to give you four quick things. First of all, we must celebrate Christmas with thankfulness and adoration of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, what a wonderful and glorious Savior our Lord Jesus Christ is. Beloved, think much of Jesus. Let your heart be filled with love for him this Christmas. If you truly know Jesus, think afresh of what Christmas is saying to you, his child. It says to me that Christ loved me so much that he willingly put on the rags of human flesh to save me. Me whom, like the hymn writer says, I once despised and scorned the name of my creator God. Believing every boastful claim of those who spanned his word. I walked in bondage to the ways of this lost world below, the hymn writer says, and spent my strength and passing days in selfishness and show. That's what he says to me. He had mercy on me who despised him. The sinless one whom I hated in my sin chose to enter this sin-stained world to endure the cross and pay the penalty for my sin. The infinite one became an infant for me. The maker became despised for me. He was crucified and buried for me. He rose from the grave for me. And he did all of this, you see, to break me free from my most fearsome enemy. To rescue me from the grip of Satan. He did it whilst I was still in love with sin and Satan. Whilst I honored Satan with my sin. Oh, what amazing grace. You know, I was thinking about this morning that, you know, if tomorrow the Ukrainians can wake up and discover Russia doesn't exist and they've been freed from its tyranny. Would there not be parties every day for the whole year? What more me? What more you who has been freed from the most impregnable enemy you can ever know? You have no idea. We have no idea just how dangerous Satan is. And Christ has freed us from him. Let us adore Jesus this Christmas. Don't let this season be a burden. I speak especially to mothers. I've been performing a role of a mother, so I know something or two. So give me that a little bit. <laughs> just, just, just as Eunice is, has, has been unable to function, as it were. Uh, and I know a little bit more, actually, this Christmas, about the pressure of being a mother, right? And there's been moments when I thought, oh, I just can't wait for Christmas to finish. <laughs> nah, that's the wrong attitude. Don't let Christmas be a burden. Don't just endure it. Celebrate Christ this Christmas. In all the challenges of motherhood and parenthood, celebrate Christmas. Do not let even the challenges you have endured this year, they've been, this has been a difficult year for many of us. I can speak for myself. 
the most challenging year I can remember in my life, I think. But don't let that weigh you down. Don't even let the material blessings of Christmas distract you from this truth. Take in the wonder of God made flesh. This Christmas, meditate afresh on this wondrous truth. That God became man in Christ. And Jesus did that to pave the way for his triumph over the devil. For you and I. Enjoy that truth. Hear it. Adore it. Dare say, test it. As you eat your Christmas food, let that sink in. Secondly, this truth that God became man in Jesus to defeat the devil should not only fill us with um, thankfulness, it should actually be the center of our comfort this Christmas, in whatever situation you are in this Christmas. Let this truth actually comfort you. You know, maybe you have some impossible situation in your personal life at the moment, or perhaps in your family, or at your place of work. And perhaps, as I said, it's making Christmas feel pointless. And Jesus is saying in this passage, beloved, I have put on your flesh to be with you. To defeat your most fearsome enemy, the devil. And I have already destroyed the devil for you, Jesus is saying. You are not under his control anymore. Yes, you do not feel like that, I know. You feel overwhelmed. You feel like the devil is in charge of your life. You feel like he's bossing you around. But the Lord is saying, look, do not let your feelings control you. You are free from the devil. The Lord is saying, sometimes allow the devil to arrest you to strengthen your trust in me. To make you depend on me alone. You are not the slave of Satan anymore. Everything that is happening to you is under my watch. You are my child. You are under my protection. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Beloved, whatever situation you're in, if you are a true follower of Christ this Christmas, do not fear or worry about the devil. You know, some people are always looking for the devil here and there. But as a child of God, you have been set free from his grip. And what you need to do is to keep your eyes firmly on Jesus. Jesus, God, who became man in Christ. He became man to have your back. And he has your back. Thirdly, you should let this truth that God became man in Jesus to defeat the devil encourage you to kill remaining sin in your life without delay. The first thing is what? Celebrate Christmas with thankfulness. The second thing is be comforted in whatever situation you're in. The third thing I really want to press on you from this truth is that you should resolve to kill remaining sin in your life without delay. Because Jesus has freed you from the devil. You see, when you tolerate sin in your life, you're saying to the Lord Jesus, if you're a true follower of Jesus, and you're, you're tolerating sin in your life, <clears throat> you know what you're saying? You're saying to Jesus, <clears throat> why did you bother to become a man 
to free me from the devil. I love living for the devil. Why did you free me from him? You see, sin is devil worshiping. It honors the devil instead of God. And this is why a true Christian hates sin. Because deep down we know sin is satanic. We know it honors the devil. God the Son, Jesus, came to deliver us from the devil. So how can we tolerate sin in our lives if we truly know Jesus? How can we still be in love with our sin? How can we love honoring Satan? A true Christian deep down hates sin. This is one of the true marks of a true conversion. The Holy Spirit gives you a new hatred for the devil and his evil. Do you have that? You've got to answer that. Do you have it? This hatred for the devil. And yet at the same time, of course, it is true that even though we hate sin, we are still prone to give in to the very sin we hate. You see, there's a battle raging in us, isn't there? And this battle will continue until we get to heaven. Until we get to heaven, we'll remain prone to dance with the devil with our sins. It's strange. We hate him, but we're prone to give in to sin. And as a Christian, as you think about that, if you've thought about that, as I thought about that, it filled my heart with shame. What shame, beloved. What shame to give in to that which the devil uses to imprison me. I just wonder as you sit here this morning, are you in this situation right now? Are you currently allowing yourself to drift to some sin? Are you foolishly tolerating some temptation instead of running from it? You know what it is. We don't need to spell it out. Is that your situation? You profess faith in Christ and you are willingly tolerating temptation? Oh, this morning, beloved, go quickly to the Lord Jesus Christ, our deliverer. Cry out to him. Say to Jesus, Lord Jesus, deliver my wandering and foolish heart. Deliver my, my redeemed life from giving in to the lies of the devil. Help me to put this sin to death. Help me to stand firm against this temptation. Give me victory over this temptation that oppresses me. Tell the Lord Jesus, Lord, I want to, I, I don't want to believe the lie of the devil anymore, that I will always sin in this area. Help me to live out my victory in Christ. I don't want to be a captive to the very thing you have delivered me from. I want to live only for you. And so please, Lord, help me to put sin to death afresh. Final thing. Well, thank you for listening patiently. Final thing. Let this truth that Jesus is God becoming man to defeat the devil remind anyone here who is not trusting in Jesus to do that right now. Trust in Jesus right now. 
If you are not a true follower of Jesus, if you have not truly repented of sin, if you know in your heart that Jesus is not yet your Savior, you lack this hatred of sin I was talking about. If you know that, then you currently belong to the devil. The devil is your father, your true father. You are without God and without hope in the world. Oh, friend, you have lived long enough. You have lived long enough for the devil, your father. You have lived long enough as a slave. Escape the devil today, for real. Come to Jesus. No person in their right mind wants to live as a slave. That's why we've got laws against modern slavery and such things. No one wants to be a slave of anything, let alone live as a slave of this terrible creature called Satan. Why would you want to remain a slave of Satan? Another year has finished and you're still in his prison. You are still bound at the hip with him. You are still handcuffed with Satan, bound for hell. As young, perhaps, as you are, still in his slave camp. Why do you hate your soul like that? Why would you willingly refuse to break free from Satan? Why would you want to spend eternity with Satan rather than with God? Why would you willingly lead yourself to hell? Do not choose to remain under his control. God has become a man in Jesus to set you free. So come, I said, come to Jesus today. Tell him you're a sinner. Admit you are living under the tyranny of Satan. And ask Christ to rescue you from Become a true follower of Christ today. Don't hold on to the darkness of your sin. Don't choose to remain to continue serving Satan as your master. Come to Christ and I say come genuinely. Don't do it merely as a tick box. Don't do it to appease your parents. Don't do it to fit in. Come because your soul is at stake. And do it with a deep conviction of sin in your heart. There are far too many people in our churches who are not genuinely convict, converted. Don't join them. Let your conversion be real. Surrender to Jesus. Put your full weight on him. Lean on his cross. And if you do that, God will set you free from the power of the devil. Not tomorrow, right now. Right now. You'll be free from the power and fear of death. And you now live with God forever. A new life of peace and joy and freedom. And if you do that, if you have truly repented, I encourage you to show that you have truly belonged to Jesus. By being baptized. Declare to Satan publicly that you belong to Jesus. Since 
Therefore the children share in flesh and blood. He himself likewise partook of the same things. That through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. And deliver all those who through the fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Amen.